As we outlined in our last few episodes, this will be the trigger point for global banks to revalue their unencumbered gold reserves. They now have to keep printing or we crash. We've got this ticking time bomb. Talking gold with the one and only Andrew McGuire. Welcome to Live from the Vault. Welcome to Live from the Vault, the show that goes beyond the headlines and uncovers the truth about the precious metals industry and the effects of the global economy in these historic times. With exclusive access to experts and insiders, we reveal information, we reveal insights that you simply won't find anywhere else. Hi, my name is Shane Moran, and I'll be your host for this week's episode of Live from the Vault. And again, we're talking precious metals, and we've got the one and only precious metals expert, whistleblower, Mr. Andrew McGuire in that vault as we pull back the curtains on the intricate world of the gold and silver markets and expose what's really going on in the precious metals industry. So get ready for another blockbuster episode of Live from the Vault, and we'll bring you knowledge and understanding that the mainstream media just won't provide. So just before we go over to the UK here, please help spread the word about this channel by hitting that like button, share this information, and don't forget to subscribe. And if you click on that bell right there, you'll be notified as each episode goes live. And with that, Let's head over to the UK and Talking Gold with Andrew McGuire. Hey, Andrew, uh, listen, here we are two weeks later and so much has happened. Of course, we have a ton of questions about the gold and silver volatility. So can you start off by looking at what the wholesale markets are telling you and what the opportunities that this crazy paper market volatility, I guess we can call it. What, what can it offer us here in the short and long term? Yeah, Shane, great to be with you again. Great to be with everybody. Let's start by looking at everything um, and answering as many questions as possible. So, but, but putting geopolitical drivers aside for the moment, because obviously they are a factor, I'm going to focus on what to expect into the end of this quarter. Guys, that's 35 trading days away, so important. But first, let's answer a lot of questions and look at why, uh, when we're evidencing gold priced in every single other currency stretching to all-time highs, we saw the dollar gold price decline at the open of November trade. And for us, really, to draw attention to why this counterintuitive action is the final officially driven and it is officially driven, kick at the can before we see the only central bank short gold, which is, yep, that's the Fed, forced to revalue gold, which a consensus of first-tier liquidity providers suggests at latest after we enter the physically driven 2024 marketplace. As I say, not very far away. Now, we'll revisit why the Fed will have to have no choice shortly. But, but to answer the immediate questions, which I know you shared with me, let's kind of drill down to the November footprints as we carve out a significantly higher stair step to rally from. Now, the only gold and silver traders not seeing this gold revaluation play are the siloed COMEX speculators acting as, of course, the useful fools for the officially sanctioned cartel. Now, whereas anybody else looking at the global physical footprints outside of this casino bubble, 
evidences every single other central bank, without exception, are converting their rapidly depreciating dollars into physical gold. And it's not that gold is going up. It's simply costing ever more freshly printed dollars to buy the same ounce of gold. And with supply tightening, the offer price to sell an ounce of gold is going to rise accordingly. Now, what is missed inside the casino bubble world is that while the Fed tries to hide the velocity of dollar debasement well, as weighed up against the 5,000-year-old physical gold benchmark, which they hate, they attempt to hide this red flag by conjuring up just enough paper gold out of thin air to be able to trick just enough splinkered speculators locked inside the casino into accepting the diluted gold price so that they can then ditch this paper gold to influence them really to, into buying the assets the Fed really want them to buy. That what they're touting, which is their high counterparty risk, worthless, conjured up treasuries. However, outside the synthetic bubble, competing central banks are stealthily converting overpriced dollars and treasuries into underpriced bullion. And in, in, in fighting the natural rise in the gold price, what the Fed is actually doing is exposing its Achilles heel to competing global central banks who are well aware that the Fed's 8,130 tons of unaudited, rehypothecated gold reserves, if they exist at all, are also grossly undervalued. Yes, Andrew, and just so everyone's up to speed here regarding the situation surrounding the so-called U.S. gold reserves, um, it's probably worth updating. What, what are you seeing with these gold reserves? Yes, Shane, especially as every audit of Treasury gold has been refused since 1953. And while there's been some later samplings, no full audit has been undertaken in 70 years. Now, go figure. There's no reason for this. As the static pile, it hasn't changed since the 1970s. So it's a fair assumption that this 8,130 tons of Treasury gold are compromised, as was revealed back in 2013 when the Bundesbank requests to inspect their vaulted bullion there was outright denied. And this audit refusal was followed swiftly by the Bundesbank requesting a 300-ton gold repatri re repatriation. Now, although tiny in comparison to the over 600 tons of gold cleared in London every day, and of course, that's just netted out on the books of the clearing banks, plus the thousands of tons of gold traded in the futures markets every day, this minuscule physical repatriation request was spun out by the Fed into a foot-dragging, unbelievable seven years to repay. Now, to provide contrast, our liquidity providers are able to send 25 tons of silver or gold bullion on a single commercial flight. So, so if it was there, 300 tons could have been actually repatriated at the latest in 12 days or less. Now, Look, ultimately, out of embarrassment, to tighten up the repatriation timelines, the Fed had to make up shortfalls in this 300 tons of original German bars by replacing some of these Bundesbank banks 
with 1930s confiscated smelt gold, which did not meet original purity standards. Another embarrassment. So in fairness, really, two things came out of this rehypothecation example. Some of the original German bars had clearly been sold. And to make up the difference, these bars of 22 carat treasury smelt gold had to be substituted. Now, given at least some smelt bars were tapped into, it's very, very strange that the 8,130 8, tons of treasury gold holdings never reflected any withdrawals back in 2013 when this gold was supplied. Now, secondly, the Fed's effort to stall returning the bars that were in the original Bundesbank form, it provides empirical evidence that those bars had been rehypothecated, catching the Fed needing time to buy back those multiple ownership claims to these bars. And look, there are no other explanations. And it's not gone unnoticed by the global South Central banks capitalizing on this dilemma and stealthily waiting for a real undiluted physical gold price to emerge, hence all the buying. And what we're trying to draw attention to here is that the Fed, the, the only remaining global central bank forced to be short gold, is in trouble. And given this, the unprecedented officially reported and even larger unreported central bank physical uh, gold demand, in aggregate, conservatively, estimated at well over a thousand tons of physical demand during 2023. Now, the window to capitalize on this opportunity is closing fast as most first-tier physical gold wholesale market liquidity providers estimate that by the end of the fourth quarter, yes, just 35 trading days away from when this episode is published, so little physical gold will be left to underpin this rehypothecation scam, it will lead to an inevitable central bank-driven gold price revaluation. Now, this bullish for cold demand comes at a time the Fed is in complete disarray. And as we highlighted in our last episode, drawing attention to actually Goldman Sachs' question, which was who's left to buy this 1.784 trillion of newly issued treasuries next year, really they were drawing attention to concerns that interest on this debt is gonna rise exponentially to the point that it becomes the single biggest government outlay. Now, all of this ultimately leads to just one conclusion. The Fed will have to re-implement QE so as to monetize the debt and the deficit. And what the heck's that going to do to the gold price? And as we outlined in our last few episodes, this will be the trigger point for global banks to revalue their unencumbered gold reserves. Andrew, can you update us on how this gold reevaluation process will roll out? Yes, Shane, as our subscribers know, this process was kicked off following the Bank of International Settlements revaluing physical gold as a first-year asset class on the 1st of January, which is when gold began competing against U.S. Treasuries. Now, providing these, really providing central banks, sovereigns, commercial trading advisors and investors an alternative far superior, zero counterparty risk, alternative safe haven investment and hedging vehicle. 
Now, during the course of this year, this alternative safe haven pivot sparked the largest central bank sovereign physical gold demand in history, severely impacting available global supply. None of this is seen inside the casino. Market footprints evidences central banks hedging previously unfactored U.S. Treasury tail risk by their actions is already weighing on Treasury demand. This this it's this lack of Treasury uptake that's actually been spiking the bond yields higher as central banks, alongside institutional investors who have a global view, seek real asset alternatives which of course include cash, but also gold. And under the Fed's induced smoke and mirrors haze, every central bank, including the Bank of International Settlements, who one year ago, almost to the day in November 2022, bought back their entire gold derivative positions, concluded it on that day, taking advantage of the Fed's synthetic attempt to cap the dollar price of gold. Now, Note, though, that despite the Fed's best efforts, exactly one year later, gold is carving out a higher stair step, over $350 per ounce higher than the $1,618 point, the exact point the Bank of International Settlements covered the last of their bets against a rising gold price. Look, there's only one reason gold is carving out a higher stair step to rally from in 2024. Every other global central bank, both Western and the entire global South, have been openly on record as well as surreptitiously off record buying physical gold. And this leads to just one conclusion. Global central banks are accruing physical gold so they can revalue this gold at close to the market price. And when any one of these central banks commences this process, it will trigger every other central bank to synchronize. And as soon as this happens, the Fed will have basically one of two options. Either they admit they've sold title to the Treasury gold to multiple part parties. Well, clearly that's not an option. Or they're going to have to move to revalue this 831 tons of rehypothecated positions in sync with global central banks so as to avert what would be a foreign exchange embarrassment. Bear in mind that gold is a foreign exchange cross. So it, it would create an FX imbalance, which would trigger multiple repatriation requests from other central banks requiring their undervalued gold to be returned for jurisdictional revaluation purposes. Now, if the Fed does synchronize to also value foreign exchange gold against the dollar, it would be the only way they could maintain their rehypothecation illusion, thereby averting unwanted repatriation requests. Hey, Andrew, as you've been saying, this is going to be the turning point where every central bank, including the Fed, will benefit from a higher gold price in the very, very short term here as we exit 2023 trading. So what are you seeing here? So Shane, good question. This is a massive opportunity really to capitalize on this window, but more immediately for those looking to get on board, what we do see as we head into the end of the fourth quarter of 2023 is the Fed faced with dealing with massive rehypothecation of this 
833 tonnes of pledged treasury reserves, is aware that it's on the back foot. And as liquidity to maintain the paper gold illusion evaporates to unsustainable levels, the Fed, using in-house speculators to lay off this liability on, is as disruptively as possible trying to exit these extremely large, wrong-footed, undeliverable derivative market long dollar bets against gold. So, um, so, so, sorry, short dollar bets against gold. So now given all of these bets are aggregated in the non-Basel III compliant US-centric COMEX cash settled gold futures markets, separate from the only place separate from Basel III compliance, is why we've been subjected to deliberately generated synthetic volatility. Now, volatility is what you use if you want to start gaming people who are blinkered to what's going on in, in the real world. The window for the Fed to cover what they can is closing fast. And this brings us onto the current footprints, which is namely the elephant that appeared last week inside the casino and it explains why the price declined as we entered the November trade. We need to look at this as it's confused a hell of a lot of people. And what we're trying to do here is shine a light under that rock. Now, the elephant that entered the COMEX casino last week was the impossible to ignore price rigging trade at settlement action. Now, we've looked at this manipulation tool. Don't roll your eyes over on this. It is very important. We've looked at it in detail before, but let's just remind ourselves how this market rigging scam works and what the current state of play is under the short-term bearish chart-skewed volatility. What we see is a bullish structure emerging, and it's so important to understand why. And while Basel III NSFR compliance has exposed the COMEX price rigging exchange for physical casino backdoor, we talked about exchange for physical, it's the backdoor, out of the casino, it's the only backdoor. And really, you need to be a central bank or someone of size to be able to utilize it. So what it's doing is forcing un unwanted paper to physical conversions because central banks can't resist card counting and cashing in casino chips into gold, which in turn limits the cartel's ability to create unlimited supply. Now, the trade at settlement, let's call it the TAS scam, is the only manipulation lever left in the house toolbox to escape NSFR compliance. And I'll also add that the TAS trade, when it's implemented, can work the gold price in, and silver in both directions. Now, historically, it's only about 50-50. So it just depends, this is the key, it depends on how many naked long or short speculator positions there are to disruptively rinse when these trades are implemented. And currently, at the beginning of November, there were a lot of naked long speculators to rinse. So it began with a downward rinse of these positions. So with that in mind, when we evidenced the very large influx of these TAS trades from Wednesday through to last Friday, there was simply a lot of, you just look at any chart, you'll see there were a lot of naked short specs to rinse. So the direction was downwards. 
Now, we're recording this episode on Wednesday. So when we saw another big TAS spread trade added on Monday, it actually caught the speculators run naked short this time. So we knew they would be rinsed to the upside and bang on cue. That's exactly what happened. It's important to understand this market. So as a refresher, given this is the only tool left in the toolbox, let's recap how sheer, the sheer volume of these trades enables officials and their agent banks listed as the swap dealers category, and they, they're listed in the COT report. Um, they won't list them by name, of course, even though we used to, the, and the TOCOM report uh, used to list them, that was banned. And it's, they, literally, they're hiding under a rock here. And these are the swap dealers. And what they are, these are the agent banks employed by the Fed to game the speculators. Why? Because they're looking to lay what they can off against them. And I'm trying to shine a light on just how this works so you can time these wash and rinse cycles just a little better. And if you recall, in plain vanilla form, this particular house control spread trade is risk-free. And, and, and if carefully managed, it slips under the regulator's radar and because at face value, Thousands of tons of siloed, undeliverable trade at settlement trades are technically price risk hedged, appearing to legitimately capitalize on the time value between futures contracts. And this is, and this is enabled by simultaneously buying a front month futures contract like December and simultaneously short selling a further out contract, which is at a higher price to gain, to capture the contango. It, in essence, the deliberately disruptive closing of the long side of the spread trade while delaying covering the short leg has turned what should be a neutral spread trade into an intraday spec rinsing tool. And this is deliberately orchestrated volatility that we've been experiencing since the commencement of the November trade. Yes, Andrew, can we look at this short-term action in, in a little bit more detail? Yeah, Shane, so now let's look at the current um, footprints. I mean, very short-term footprints, and ultimately, their limitations. And as we've witnessed since the commencement of November trading, these cartel insiders, the official, the sanctioned house operatives, first allowed the gold price to rise, unfettered, allowing the dollar-denominated price to be far better reflect real supply-demand fundamentals, if you remember, went over 2000 bucks. But by simply standing back and allowing the futures gold price to rise while stealthily taking the short side of the speculator long bets, they achieved two things. Firstly, they sat back and allowed the COMEX futures price to rise simply by not suppressing it. What they did was to gain a higher price to sell their December longs from. And secondly, it enabled them a higher price to instigate short selling the February contracts. Now, at this point, no matter how large these spread trades grew to, at face value, there's nothing nefarious as these balanced out bets were placed simultaneously at the closing daily price, therefore escaping any regulatory position limit violations. And it's not the end of the violations we're looking at. We're talking about the intraday gaming of those positions. The sheer size of these bets should have actually raised red flags anyway. 
Certainly, we drew regulators' attention to them, and the lack of action clearly illustrates these whale-sized non-NSFR-compliant spread trades are officially sanctioned. There's no doubt about that. And looking at the data at face value, when accounting for the legitimate $20 contango, that is capturing the spread between uh, December and short-selling February, as of Monday's lows, the illegal December, uh, December additional $70 per ounce short rate. So what they've done is gain $70 plus the $20 contango. This is a $90 price rigging stunt encapsulated a staggering 18 million ounces of November, of gold, November instigated trader settlement spread trades. So one can see the profit potential from controlling this is purely this purely synthetic supply is in the billions. And given the uh, by the end of each session, any intraday imbalances are squared. Regulators are none the wiser. So while these spread trades are split between December and February right now, when equated to how much physical gold these bets are supposed to represent, as I say. As of Monday, this equaled well over 500 metric tons of synthetic gold in the control of just four LBMA banks in just eight trading days. And this is not going unnoticed by global central banks looking to accumulate as much gold as they can without driving the price into the stratosphere yet. And while the massive derivative trades flies under the regulator's radar, global central banks are soaking up this derivative slack. And liquidity providers report huge offtake into this synthetically induced volatility. And while this unleveraged physical demand is steadily undermining the commercial scope to run with this trade. So it is actually two things going on here. And so as we look for opportunities into this blatant price rigging, drilling down into the current November action, December trade action, but it's November. Obviously, we're in the month of November, but it's the December contract. We see where these so-called neutral spread trades become collusive. Now, as this price manipulation trade is constrained to how many speculators can be tricked into offsetting any spillover NSFI compliant ETF outflows, in order to gain the best effect, this disruptive selling of the front month December contract, coordinated with the addition of these short February contracts, are being conducted at each of the moving averages, which is a very obvious level where speculators can be guaranteed to have a buy or a sell order. And what that's done is trigger the very visible speculator longs borrowed from the house lenders. They hold the books on these guys. They know exactly where their pain points are. So this is a very very cute little deal here. And the, the house holds the book on these speculators and knowing exactly where their stops are, they force them to sell their longs so as to pay back their borrowings at a loss. Now, the tipping point is where the spec longs are all run out. And these wrong-footed specs then move to re-borrow the futures positions, this time to borrow it to go short, to sell futures, to borrow futures positions from the insiders to sell them short while they while the, the insiders are going long. Of course, the swap dealers then take the long side and of everything the specs have sold. I mean, this this is this game is 
contained inside the inside the casino and it's really the speculators that are powering this trade nobody else and while i'm drawing attention to whether you are a stacker or a trader it doesn't matter stacker or a trader this is the stage of the rinsing cycle liquidity providers assess we are at now and while momentums are wrong at both ends of a wash and rinse cycle as of monday they were actively naked short into this momentum and we're deep into the latter leg of this massive manipulation trade. But having also triggered the very large waiting central bank sovereign spot related physical orders into the first fix, PM fix we uh, below 1950 since the 18th of October, insiders were running low on sufficient leverage spec supply really just to offset this very real unleveraged global physical orders that were coming up against them. Uh, so leverage works in two ways, and the very real reported global offtake is forcing unwanted dis discipline on the cartel. So following our liquidity provider meetings over the weekend and over the last couple of days, it's assessed that in addition to the cartel capturing the plain vanilla $20 premium between December and February, and having also used these specs to go along at a $70 better price for the commercial longs to be added back, this is all about a balance between how much non-delivery spec open interest can be rinsed out without exposing the, the, themselves to uh, a deliverable compliant related spot market delivery obligation. Now, so in summary, Due to the convertibility of the resulting paper price into a first-tier asset by triggering the casino's EFP backdoor, the degree the house can capitalize on this trade is capped by how much speculator open interest, interest can be offset so as to not expose the house to physical delivery obligations they're in no position to fulfill. Furthermore, each time the Fed-driven agent bank selling triggers such a rigged price rinse, they're draining paper market liquidity, further limiting the future scope of these games, which are reaching an inflection point that cannot be sustained. Very short term disruption aside, looking further out, liquidity providers report insiders are now gearing up for a much higher stair step rally. All right, Andrew, one of my favorite questions, of course, and many others in the community. What are we seeing in the silver markets? Yeah, Shane, I thought that might come up. Um, yeah, but look, silver's joined at the hip and it's in the same hands as the gold actors that we're talking about. And as silver is not yet an SFR compliant, in other words, uh, if you're providing liquidity into the spot market, you don't have to have the physical on hand. It's easier to influence silver than, than gold. So we look at these market makers footprints in the gold silver ratio trade where silver is benchmarked against gold. So given at 87 to one, which it was at the beginning of the week, is so synthetically divergent from where the ratio should be at less than 16 ounces of silver to buy one ounce of gold, let alone 87 ounces of silver to buy one ounce of gold, we see silver as outperforming gold once gold is revalued. This is a hell of an opportunity. Now, looking very short term at silver, the ratio trade is looking attractive at current deeply suppressed silver levels. 
And while there's little doubt that silver could not be maintained offers to sell below 23 bucks uh, spot into such large Indian and Chinese demand it is also the case uh, that it's t that regarding speculators held bearish options bet against silver at 24. So, so really we're seeing the speculators really sort of somewhere gaming between 23 and 24. Um, but following the spec rinsing, the options sweet spot, we're talking about uh, on the 27th of the month, it had lowered between 23 and a base as a base case and 24 as a top case. But given many of the short bets against $23 are speculator held and the house long against them, we may see some further fireworks as we get closer to options expire on the 27th. Now, liquidity providers are expecting a physically driven turnaround rally. And given December futures expiring this month, historically evidence the largest delivery of the year, and it's the only month where both gold and silver futures expire together, our immediate focus is one, is, is where the, the, the COT-derived options sweet spot are aggregated. And the bulk of these December sweet spots are deter were determined up to 12 months ago. And they don't in fact don't factor in current geopolitical risks undermining these cap bets. And as far as gold is concerned, we're currently evidencing uh, the geopolitically driven first, first black swan event that also finds gold reclassified as a first tier asset class. And as we've been observing following the Bank of International Settlements revaluing physical gold, as a first-year asset class on the 1st of January, gold now increasingly competes against U.S. Treasuries. Really trying to draw attention to this. Um, providing central banks sovereigns, CTAs, wake-up CDAs, CTAs, and investors an alternative far superior zero-counterparty risk, alternative safe haven investment and hedging vehicle. And none of these bullish drivers are baked into these soon-to-expire capped options bets expiring on the 27th of November, going into first notice then on the 29th into zero counterparty risk um, NSFR compliant gold competing with high counterparty risk US treasuries. Now covering these long-standing wrong-footed capped bets requires enough speculators to cover into. This is the point I'm trying to make. With, however, there are far too many, too, too few specs to short cover into to square up the bulk of this unfactored, physically driven imbalance. And as we drew attention to in our last episode, while we already have direct information that Goldman Sachs is very long physical goal for their own book, and while they greatly profit from coattailing co the insider information which they're privy to, they do this solely to grow their bullion book. And we're now evidencing a growing number of CTAs, thank goodness some are waking up, and fund managers hedging bond market uncertainty by way of investment into real assets. And while cash and commodities are also sought, there's a growing realization that gold is the only first-year asset class that has zero counterparty risk. And this explains the disconnect between the historical relationship between gold the dollar and bonds. And given these interconnected, officially managed inputs determine the gold um, option sweet spots 12 months ago, 
let's look at them now. And in gold, we're evidencing a very large churning effect between the December 27th November expiry and the next liquid February contract. Now, while commercials are still scrambling to unwind naked short sold bets made against 2000, based on feedback from first year liquidity providers and what we're seeing structurally is the bets against 2000 gold are expected to turn into support following options expiry. And once 2000 spot becomes support, a run into 2050 and, 20, and 2200 will be very fast. Now, the very next, because there's so many short stops above that level, and once they're triggered, it's, it just creates buy ignition. And the very large next layer of, of central bank sideline bids are sitting again at spot 2000 and get progressively larger at 2050. This is because the balance between what can be sold to the rinsable specs versus real global safe, uh, safe haven physical demand suggests the upside short covering trigger above 2100 is large enough to blow through to 2200 very, very quickly, just looking at the structure of it. And put to put these spot triggers into context with the developing upcoming um, gold option sweet spot, we need to look at the next liquid futures month is February. Now, evidencing the current contango that we discussed about, that's about 20 bucks. Um, but first, we can in the, in the interim, we can look at the January contract, which is expiring on the 26th of December, which most um, speculators won't trade. Um, this contango to December is 10 bucks. So while, while that, one's, that contract's illiquid, we see resistance rising up to 2040 there. Interestingly, and the December contract looks like the last kick at the can as the Fed con uh, co contract sees little resistance migrating to 2050 after that. Now, bottom line, expect a fight. We expect a fight. We're getting another fight today. Of course we will at every round number. But given the current US-centric action is being driven from inside a geopolitically blinkered bubble, the paperweight to cap derivative gold is railing against very, very, very strong physical demand alongside sticky CTA hedging, commodity trading as advisor hedging, investment demand. And this makes the dilutive COMEX derived price extremely vulnerable to a March 2020-like disconnect. And given this is the first black swan event where the FX gold market liquidity providers do have the physical to deliver against, the drain of physical underpinning these non-deliverable derivative bets against gold is highly likely to implode. Liquidity providers are positioning for it, are you? And we, we, you know, we'll be watching these bets move on a, on a daily basis. And look, we're gonna report back our findings well ahead of options expiry, which is again on the 27th. So we'll be back in a couple of weeks ahead of that. Now, very short term, it's no surprise to witness geopolitical escalations continuing to drive safe haven demand into physical gold and silver, and so it should. But it's important to understand that this physical is being sourced out of the NSFR compliant delivery markets. You know, so what's happening is the COMEX EFPs as, uh, are being tapped as well as the notable outflows from the insider run 
GLD ETF. Remember we talked about this last time. The GLD illusionary ETF is where paper gold can be flywheeled in and out of the, of the COMEX. Uh, but the minute it hits the, the uh, unhall unallocated market and hits the London market, at that moment, it becomes deliverable. So it's the excess that, that we're talking about here. And I cannot stress how big a deal this is. GLD is under attack by China and the related Russia demand. This brings the arbitrage's attention to the EFP COMEX into physically deliverable, the, the physically deliverable GLD Achilles heel, where futures price positions can be exchanged for a deliverable spot goal position, which is fully NSFR compliant. So to sum up, Shane, gold aside, Look, silver's current weakness relative to gold is due to gold picking up the lion's share of U.S. Treasury sales as investors seek alternative exposure to real assets. So also in, uh, silver futures, as we say, is not NSFR compliant, so it's been easier to cap. However, silver is joined at the hip to gold. And given we are evidencing strong Indian Chinese demand sub $23, and sub 24, the 85.7 ratio that I think we've got today is already in bubble territory. And as um, compliant gold drags SI through very large short steps in the future, we likely see a gap close into the, the option sweet spot, which is closer to 25. That's simply where the December contract opened up before these People, thinking of the, the, the right word here, um, I don't want to be rude, but these, 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 these insiders um, have really rigged it below. Well, look, bottom line, I see nothing but opportunities uh, into the end of the year. And I just pose one question, guys. How much physical gold and silver do we collectively hold ahead of a gold and silver price? revaluation. All right. Thank you, Andrew McGuire, for talking gold. And remember, to our Live from the Vault community, buy physical, buy physical, make sure it's backed one-to-one -one and understand the difference between what Andy affectionately calls the casino paper gold and silver markets and the actual physical gold and silver markets. They're not the same. Don't be fooled. And there you have it. Uh, that's all we have for you today on another fascinating episode of Live from the Vault. So remember, please help keep spreading the word about this channel by hitting that like button. You can do it if you haven't already done so. Uh, share this information and don't forget to subscribe. Now, if you click on the bell right there, you'll be notified as each episode goes live. And with that, we'll see you next time right here on Live from the Vault. See you then.